what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson with The Jackson Group, a survey and consulting firm located in North Carolina. And with me is my co-host for this show and has been since episode number one, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions, also headquartered out of North Carolina. Ed, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Alan? Doing just fine. Doing just fine. We were talking a little bit before we started rolling about how you and I both have a little bit more free open weekend than normal because I think uh, uh, some Carolina-related teams, a couple of them have a off week uh, this weekend as far as play goes. So not as much to do, uh, not as not as many hours in front of the TV on football as maybe we might on a normal weekend. But I'm sure we'll still find a way to, to get some football in somewhere anyway. So Yes, uh, the internet, the radio, the TV. Uh, we'll, we'll have to pretend that, like the Panthers and Tar Heels are playing just exactly. so uh, – uh, I don't know. Other folks in our house don't give us a, a large uh, honey to do list. I'm so. trying to figure out if I can convince the rest of my family that, yes, my team is playing on Saturday and somehow I need to go to uh, a, a room and close myself off to watch the game. And really, I'm just watching other stuff. So uh, yes. maybe I'll get me out of some things. I'm not sure. Anyway, it should be a nice, good weekend with some good, good weather, hopefully, too. Um, but let's move into actually what we're here to talk about, Ed, if that's sure. OK. Uh, we could probably talk about football for quite a while, but. Instead, let's focus on what hopefully our listeners are here to hear us talk about as well, and it's the world of customer service. This is our show, Stepping Up Service, where we talk about delivering customer service to your customers, clients, even coworkers, building that kind of culture of customer service in your organization. Talk about a lot of different concepts and ideas around this idea of what makes for good customer service and how can we achieve it in our organizations. And we hope these discussions and information are applicable whether you're with a corporation, small business, nonprofit, any kind of organization where you are providing some service to another another contingency, another group, uh, we hope we're of, of a service on that. Uh, again, the Jackson Group, the firm I'm with, we conduct a lot of employee and customer satisfaction surveys for a wide variety of organizations, a real uh, heavy specialty in the healthcare field at the moment that we spend a lot of time in. You can learn more about our firm at thejacksongroup.com. That's T-H-E, jacksongroup.com. And then Ed's company, Customer Service Solutions, learn more about his company at cssamerica.com. And I always recommend people really check out his site because you can sign up for uh, email information to be sent to you, tips of the week. Uh, There's a lot of great blog posts on his website, Uh, just some good information uh, to help you as you steer your organization towards that higher level of customer service in general. Ed, we talked about the topic for today. And of course, every month we bring out a different topic that we like to kind of dissect. And you normally have some great points and, and tips and advice and things for people to, to use and, and, and work with on these different topic areas. We've got one now that may be a little bit of a unique situation for some people listening, maybe one that doesn't apply necessarily to them. Um, but yet it is something that's probably going to be even more of a factor for everybody in the future. And this is the idea of working with or serving millennials. And by that, we're talking about that age group, millennials, right? Yes. Uh, I guess in a way, the Gen Y category, we're kind of saying maybe falls in that as well. Yeah. It's basically at people younger than us. I guess that's what we're yeah. saying, right? 
Yes, um, the few, the proud. <laughs> that's right. Those folks we dread. Yes, I mean the, that we love. Yes, yes, millennials. Well, because you know, as you think about these different generations that we've gone through, you know, you had your baby boomers, you had your Gen Xers, and there are always these articles coming out about what makes these generations different. What do they want different? How do they, how to work with them differently? How to talk with them differently? But we've got this whole new generation that's into the workplace now or coming into the workplace that's being labeled as the millennials and. I think we've got to really talk about this from a customer service standpoint. Ed, what kind of drove you to write your tip of the week on this? And why do you see this as something we need to be talking about today? Yeah, that's a great question. Like like with a lot of things that we do in our company, we, we to some extent allow our clients to direct where we go with the focus of our discussion with our services that we provide. And with more and more clients that we're dealing with, especially those in the education industry, whether it's a community college or university, they are talking a lot about millennials and how unique they are, especially in relation to the 40, 50-year-olds who are in management positions in a lot of these organizations. And uh, I was actually and still am uh, a part of a strategic planning process with a government uh, organization here in the Charlotte area. And one thing that we're trying to do to uh, help give us a focus in this strategic planning effort is we're looking out 10 years and we're looking at the Charlotte Mecklenburg community. We're saying in 2025, what are the demographics of the community going to look like? Mm-hmm. And one of the marketing directors pulled up uh, the results of a study and found that 34% of the folks, the largest slice in the pie of community residents in, in our region, 34% of the folks by 2025 are going to be millennials. And wow. they were defining millennials as those that were born somewhere between 1985 and 2010. Okay. So when you start thinking about that, in 10 years, more than a third of the folks that, that are in the community, more than a third of the folks that are being served uh, are this millennial group. Mm-hmm. And then you've had enough personal anecdotal experience, heard horror stories in some cases uh, from from folks who uh, are interacting with millennials and don't quite understand them. <laughs> it really requires you to take a laser focus on this group and try to create an understanding of who they are and what they want. So from a customer service perspective, you can serve them better. Wow. So that, that's, I mean, it obviously makes sense that this is the kind of the generation that's coming in. I think it's just kind of catching us all by surprise that these are the people now in our workforce, entering the workforce, yes. becoming our customers and people we serve and deal with. And uh, it is a whole different mindset. And I don't know how many people out there watch, Saturday Night Live on uh, NBC, you know, the, the late night sketch show. I'm a big, yes. big fan of, of that style comedy. They had a sketch just this past Saturday night, like just a few days ago, called The Millennials. And it's, the idea on it is it's a <laughs> sketch about how interesting the millennials are in the workplace, you know, such as coming up to their boss and saying, well, I've been here a week and I kind of feel like I need a promotion and I need, a, <laughs> I need a new title and all this. It's joking about some of these traits we assigned to this. And of course there were the same kind of jokes about uh, Gen Xers back when that generation was coming on board, but it is important for us to start to understand them a little bit better because that is becoming our larger client base in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, it seems like part of the reason why we have to pay, pay special attention to them uh, is because in some ways they're very different from those of us who are in the previous gener- generation, whether it's Gen X or maybe you're kind of in that midpoint between the Gen X and the baby boomers. Um, I, I did a, a brief article on millennials uh, a couple months ago, and I immediately 
uh, got a very emotional and not very positive uh, mm-hmm. email back from one of the readers. And I'll just read you a couple points that they said in that particular email. They okay. said, you know, Ed, it is very hard to give millennials respect when they don't even know what respect is. In, in fact, many of them are disrespectful. At what point in time will they have learned the right etiquette? Um, I deserve respect. I've earned it. And millennials have had the way paved for them. Wow. Um, they have high expectations, but they have poor work ethics. It's hmm. pretty hard to respect that. So if that is a stereotype about millennials and that's a mindset of some of the folks who are supposed to be serving millennials, that just gives you a sense of how much emotions involved, how different they are and how they communicate and convey respect from others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that this is not just a simple transition from somebody who's a certain age to somebody who's a little bit younger. That This is a shift not only on the part of this customer group, but on the part of the people serving them. Well, and you're right because it's it's one thing to be catering our customer service approach to a different an audience with different needs. But if we've got a lot of our other generations kind of having this disconnect with them, yes, that makes delivering, working together, customer service interaction so much more challenging, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing is, Ed, I mean, I understand where the person that was writing that email to you was coming from in their own perspective. But I've got to think that there were probably those same type of emails written about you know, baby boomers talking about the Gen Xers and, you oh, know, yes. the greatest generation, you know, talking about the generation after them. I mean, it's, it's that same kind of, I think we go through that same cycle where we don't understand the generation coming behind us. We don't quite understand. We don't think they have the same work ethic, but really it's just a different type of work ethic than what we're used to. So I guess to get us started really on this, Ed, what, what do we know about the millennials and what, what can we go ahead and start a foundation of information about with them? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And let's talk about what we know about the millennials from the perspective of them being customers. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the millennials, this very large, very growing segment of our customer base, let's think about them as a customer. So when you think about millennials, here are, let's say, half a dozen different characteristics of what millennials typically want. Okay. Uh, Number one, they want options. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you are serving them, they don't want to have to be forced to go to a website. They don't want to have to be forced to call somebody on the phone. They don't even want to be forced to go to the app that that you've developed specifically for them. They want to be able to to go where they want to go based on what that particular need is. They want to have that, that set, that cadre of features and functions. So the first thing that they want uh, is options. Okay. Uh, the second thing is speed mm-hmm. and responsiveness. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we, we've had standards that we've shared with folks over the years, and, and I'm sure you've heard them before. It's when you get a voicemail, you have 24 hours to respond. I mean, that's an expectation. When you leave, uh, send somebody an email, it, it's the same, or, or more recent studies are saying within six to eight business hours, mm-hmm. you want to respond back and people will consider you responsive. Um, well, I'm just thinking of my daughter. She's a millennial, and, and at times she's complained because it, it takes folks four or five minutes to respond to a text. <laughs> and for texting, you know, you need to have that immediate response. Right. So, so responsiveness, especially to emails, is huge to them. Now, they're not as big necessarily on um, something that is a uh, an, uh, an email uh, might not require the same level of response as a text. 
mm-hmm. or an Instagram post or something like that. So their expectations might change a little bit based on the service delivery mode. But in general, they want speed. They want almost instantaneous. They want that quick responsiveness. Wow. Well, and I, you know, I could, I see that. And actually, I think in a way, our, 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 I feel like the world around us is kind of encouraging that speed just as much too. So it's almost like we're feeding ourselves this need for speed and it's trickling over to other generations too. I'm starting to see myself being more antsy about time and speed and things happening quicker. I I think it's just these millennials are the ones that this is what they grew up with. They grew up with this immediacy. They grew up with knowing that I can call on something and I should be able to get something back very, very quickly. So that's what they're carrying over into their professional lives or carrying over into these experiences that we have with them as customers. Yeah, and that's very empathetic of you, Alan, to say – Calling back to our past episode. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yes, to say that they grew up with it is a very important point. Uh, I've used this uh, statement with my daughter a few times where she'll say she she would like a new technology or like the latest on this particular phone or that phone. And I'll say, you know, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 27 years Mm -hmm. old. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like, Dad, they didn't have cell phones until you were 27 years old. <laughs> well, that's not the point. No, the point like, sure, but <laughs> – Yes, so uh, I don't think she bought the idea that she shouldn't get her first cell phone until she's 27. I think she kind of yeah. understood that. But you're right. They grew up with it. They didn't grow up with cassette tapes, definitely not uh, even the VHS tapes to a large extent. Um, it's just what their starting point was was different from our starting point, and that's impacting what they want and how they want it. Right, sure. The the third mm-hmm. uh, key aspect of what they want in their service experience is they do want interaction. Okay. That, that is a sign of respect and importance is if I send you the text, you respond. Send you the email that you respond. Uh, go to your website. It's an interactive website. I can get information. I can uh, do that sort of thing. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they want a conversation. Hmm. A conversation where you're on the phone, where you're face-to-face. I'm not saying that, but they want interaction. They want, even if it's a virtual, a technology-driven dialogue, they want that kind of interaction. So they want to be able to get answers to their questions. They want to be able to interact with something, some process, some system. But you're saying it's not necessarily a person-to-person conversation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They want that interactive, not necessarily always gaming, but something where there is a a two-way uh, sharing of information, going back and forth, um, and it doesn't necessarily require a person to have that interaction with them to have that conversation, but they want to feel engaged. They want to feel like that there's some interaction going on that's mm. two-way between themselves and the technology and the organization that they're interacting with. And, Ed, I would guess that that feature is probably one that's going to trip a lot of people up that's trying to work with them because, again, I think when people traditionally hear – that this generation wants interaction, the thinking is, okay, so we've got to call them on the phone and we've got to have a conversation with them and we've got to talk to them. And that's not really what we're talking about because then actually I think the whole getting somebody on the phone and talking to them with this generation is so much further removed now. That's, that's not really a good viable option for many of them. So yeah. it's thinking about interaction in a different way than what we maybe traditionally have. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and that's when organizations start thinking of, okay, the millennials want options. They want interaction. It's not necessarily interpersonal uh, from, a, from a human-to-human standpoint. Okay, how do I make this experience of going to my website, of having self-service checkout in my grocery store, of 
uh, having this particular app, how can I make it more interactive, more engaging, more like one of those games that they're playing on their smartphone or, or something that really catches their attention and provides them feedback, provides them information. So it's not necessarily when we're saying the, the customer wants interaction, that the customer wants conversation, but they do want that, that two-way give and take of information uh, of some kind of an engaging uh, presence sure. when they're interacting with the company. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. The fourth, mm-hmm. as you might imagine, um, based on what we've been talking about, is technology solutions, mm-hmm. technology answers. And I'm not saying that's all they want, but often that's the first step. Mm-hmm. You know, they first want to go to the app. They want to go to Instagram. They want to go to Pinterest or they, they want to go to Snapchat. They want to go to the web. Um, so they want that technology as being one of the core options and oftentimes the first option. So if technology is not the be-all, end-all in customer service, then we have to view that technology to some extent as a portal where it makes it very simple for that millennial to immediately get to a person if that's what they need or that's what they want or if they need clarification or get to some other source of information uh, from the technology. Oftentimes, technology is viewed almost in a bubble, where once you're in the bubble, that's where your whole transaction occurs. But with millennials, we need to realize that technology might just be the the start of the the service channel. Mm -hmm. And we need to make sure there's an outlet to other service channels that might, in some cases, even be non-technology related. You know, on that same note, Ed, I've heard so many people, we have a couple in our office that, that are in this generation, um, even my kids. I mean, I know they're not in the workforce yet. They're not quite old enough for that. But I mean, I still see some of these traits. And it's amazing to me, the question always comes up when they're trying to figure something out or they have a need for something is, well, I'll just, I'll just use the phone. I'll just use the app to pull it up or I'll just use their site to get the information. And they're almost discouraged and frustrated when there's not an app for a certain service or there's not a clean website to go to. It's just the default opinion is, well, I'm sure there's a mobile app or there's a way I can use my phone to do this. And when they don't get that, that's when it's frustrating to them. Right. No matter where that interaction is going to end with, it's if they don't feel like that first step is available through that technology solution, it's a very frustrating thing for them. Right. And when you think about so much of the core training that's done on service excellence and, mm-hmm. and how do you diffuse the irate customer and how do you resolve issues and how do you bring the emotional level down of somebody who's irate, upset, they have a complaint. Uh, and then you think about technology. If technology was the only solution, technology is horrible at dealing with people's emotions. Technology <laughs> almost causes, in a lot of cases, the frustration, the anger, you know, that, that feeling of disrespect or the organization not caring. So right. if all you rely on is technology uh, to deliver your solutions as a company, then you're really leaving out one of the core ways you can really manage customer emotions, manage customer experience, resolve issues in, in a healthy way. You need to make sure there is that interpersonal option because when that customer, like your kids you're talking about, go in looking for an answer, they can't find it, they get frustrated, we need to make sure that uh, there is a method that will bring that frustration out uh, and pull it down and and get them the answer that they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what's the fifth thing that they're looking for? for Yeah, the fifth out of six is personalization. And in here you can just think selfie. You know, how many times have you ever seen somebody give doing a selfie? You know, you see athletes doing it. You see movie stars. You see kids on the street. Everybody 
is doing selfies. And I'm not saying that they want selfies, but the idea of a selfie is I'm taking a picture of me Mm -hmm. and I am sharing a picture of me with other people so that they can look at a picture of me. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, the height of personalization. Uh, you know, who needs a mirror nowadays? You can just take a picture of yourself instead of looking in a mirror. Um, so the idea from a customer service perspective is if there is this focus on me, uh, and this is what really ticks off a lot of people who are a generation beforehand. It's all about me and how do I look and I'm immersed in my own uh, smartphone or immersed in my own world. Um, that is something they want. And that's one of the biggest challenges that, that a lot of service providers have to get over. It's similar to that example I gave you uh, for that uh, newsletter reader. Um, it, it's the fact that we have to acknowledge, have to realize and have to deal with the fact that the millennial customer wants personalization. They want the service, the interaction, the communication, the answer to be all about them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I see you've got a whole stack of selfie sticks in, the, in, in your desk there. Yes. So I take it you're a big selfie taker. So. Yes, me and my flip phone take selfies right. all the time. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. Ed, yes. Ed with his flip phone. I don't think any selfies are going to come off of that. So uh. They actually do come out of this, but they're a little smaller than the diameter of a dime. Oh, boy. So, uh, yeah. you, know, you can't really do much. You're rocking it old tech there. That's great. So, well, uh, you know, yes, and we kind of all joke about the selfies and the, the pictures of oneself. But, you know, it's almost uh, something I've read that I always thought was really interesting is this idea of, Oh, Ed is actually doing a selfie of himself right now. <laughs> How great is that? With a flip phone, people. This is. I wish we had video for this right now. Um, is what I've seen with this 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 focused on the individual is it's also affecting a little bit what we see in the workplace, where more and more people are seeing themselves as individuals that perform a service or skill for a company, as opposed to necessarily being a member of a employed group or being a full-time employee at this one organization. There's so much more of this movement towards me as a person. I'm going to market myself as a person and not as a part of a company. And I have these skill sets and I'm going to provide these skill sets to anybody who needs them, not necessarily through this one company that wants to employ me, you know, and it's just, I think that really kind of keys in that whole personalization. Everything is about them because they're seeing themselves as a brand that they can then go out and market and try to build work from. Yes, and that's really interesting. It's almost like Allen Incorporated. That's right, you, yeah. You're out there you're creating your own brand. This is who I am. Uh, at some point, a lot of the millennials will, will start to realize that uh, uh, when they get into the workforce, who you are uh, and what you can do is to a large extent defined in how do you help your team grow? How do you help your company perform? So it's not that individualistic. It's how did you help the greater good because that company is hiring you to help their organization become greater, to grow, to resolve issues, whatever the case might right. be. Yeah. Just uh, very interesting about that generation that, that really that focus on the self and how we see that personified in so many different ways. Yes, and that actually ties into the last of these characteristics of millennials that that relate to what they want in their customer experience, and that is a word that is used a lot nowadays. It's respect. Hmm. They want to be respected. I know there are only 12 or 15 or 18 or 21, but gosh darn it, they've been here five days and they want that promotion (laughs) or – you know, they want that title or right. I know I didn't uh, work in this company 35 years and become CEO and having to make this major decisions. But, gosh, I should be as respected as that person who 
ha- has really toiled in the organization for 30 years. So they want respect. Um, and I, that, again, the, there, there are a lot of mental barriers service providers have to overcome in giving them that respect because so many service providers like this uh, individual who sent me that email, um, they are defining respect based on eye contact and tone mm-hmm. of voice mm-hmm. and being focused on the other person. And so many millennials don't communicate in that way. Right. So they are seeking respect, uh, and yet they're not conveying respect in the way that a lot of folks, 15, 20, 30 years older, define respect. Yeah, that's what I think is so interesting because you're right. I mean, they are looking for that respect, but yet – just like the writer on the newsletter that wrote into you saying that they haven't really earned this and they, they you know, don't show respect. And I think that, again, that's a, it's all a, a different generation and how we define the word respect. You yes. know, like, like you were saying, our thoughts are when you're respecting somebody, you're paying close attention to what you're saying. You're looking them in the eye. Um, you're, you're using proper manners when you speak to them. That's respectful. I think respect is defined very differently with this new generation. It's, it's, it, it has nothing to do with eye contact because most of the time they're looking down on their screens and their phones. <laughs> it's really about respecting me as a person and respecting my abilities maybe more than showing this proper respect on the surface. You know, Right. Yes. I am an adult or I am a person or I am important or I am worthy or I have value. Uh, you know, that is what that that millennial is focused on, whereas um, and, and wanting respect because of that, uh, whereas folks who might be a little bit older are, are wanting to convey respect and get respect based on how they communicate, how they interact, how they treat other people in those one on one moments of truth. So yeah. those are six different uh characteristics of these millennials that that inform how we should serve them it's the options it's the speed and responsiveness it's the interaction the tech solutions first the personalization the respect and uh what we're going to talk about in in just a minute is knowing that Mm -hmm. how should we provide customer service to millennials good i was going to say it'd be great to move into now that we know who they are and what they want what do we do about it how do we provide them with something that might meet their needs a little better Exactly. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick little break. When sure. we come back, Ed and I will finish up the conversation going into more of this idea of what do we do now with, armed with this information about the millennials and what they want. How do we provide that level of customer service to them? And we're going to wrap up our show with our customer service story of the month from the past month. Uh, Ed and I always try to, at the end of the episode, share a story with you that we've experienced personally in the past 30 days since our last recording either a positive or negative story, uh, something we can all take uh, and use as a good example uh, as either what not to do or hopefully what uh, is something we can model after in our own organization. So with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back to Stepping Up Service here in just a moment. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. I am Alan Jackson with The Jackson Group. With me, as always, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. We were right in the middle of our conversation talking about millennials. Uh, what do they want? Who are they? 
What makes them different? What do they look for with their service, uh, customer service interactions? So Ed gave us a great list of six different things that the millennials, this generation that um, is entering the workforce and are becoming our customers over the next several years, what they're looking for, what makes their needs a little bit different than maybe what we've been used to with other customers. So Ed, now that we're armed with this information, we know who they are. We know what they want. We know the attributes of things they're looking for. What can we as organizations or people serving them do to, to, to accommodate that? Yeah, well, this might sound a little bit contradictory considering I just went through six characteristics of millennials. But, but the first thing to do when you're thinking about how to serve them is not assume that they're all the same. Huh, okay. So now we just described <laughs> those six characteristics, generally what they want. Uh, you know, we, we all assume they're all tech geniuses with right. little interest in 2A communication. But, but that might not be the case. I mean, millennials can be as varied as baby boomers, as Generation X. If you were to walk into a high school, you'll probably have the gamers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably had gamers 30 years ago. It's just they were playing Pong or <laughs> yeah. something like that on their Atari That's versus right. gamers of today. That would I have mean, been the group I would have been a part of. So thank you very much. Yes, uh, excellent. Call out. Yep. Um, you know, you have the band folks, you had band folks then, you had the people who were just very social, same thing then, academics, same thing then, athletes today, same as in our day. So the first thing we suggest you, that you do is truly understand what are some of those unique characteristics of these millennials. The, the phrase you used was the starting point for a millennial is so different from the starting point for us. So I, I love that. And if you keep that in mind, you realize that there's still a, a huge variety uh, of personalities, of interest in millennials, just like there are in uh, our generation. But that starting point is different, how they grew up, the technology focus, how they communicate is very different. But So our, our first customer service suggestion is to still view each one as an individual regardless of age. So I guess in a way it's, it's really avoiding some of the, I guess, the stereotypes for less of a, lack of a better word. In other words, like you said, don't just assume, okay, well, this person was born between these two years, so they must be a tech genius. I should be able to give them simple instructions on where to download the app, and that takes care of everything they need to do. We can't just make that assumption because, you know, that actually gets us even deeper in a hole if we make those kind of assumptions and we've actually completely mislabeled somebody that actually pushes us further away from giving them what they're really looking for. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, you have the understanding, but don't let the understanding create potentially false assumptions. And when you do start making assumptions, then we'll get into that sixth point we talked about a minute ago, which is respect. Yeah, if people right. feel like you're just lumping them in with others and, and they're millennials, uh, they, they feel like they're being disrespected. And uh, that'll just bring you down a, a, to a level of issues and frustrations and communications with them that you just don't want to go. So with this first point, really what we're saying is you know, understand the millennials in a general group, yes. but still try to learn about that individual customer, you know, not just brand them automatically. Well, these six things must apply to you because you're a millennial. Yes. Uh, right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. The, the second point uh, is getting back to some of those stronger characteristics that we talked about of this generation versus others. It is that desire for the personalization. It is that tech uh, focus, tech knowledge, tech savviness. It is that, uh, desire for options and speed, et cetera. So the second thing to consider when you're thinking uh, about customer service with millennials is that they they are more tech savvy than the previous um, the the previous generations. They they 
are more likely to want the self-service options mm-hmm. than the previous generations. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of our parents who used to go to gas stations and they had the gas pumped for them and the yes. windshields and oil checked for them. I mean, it is a totally different world now. Now, what one unique aspect when you're thinking uh, about these stronger characteristics, uh, make sure you have those self-service options, but also make sure that you're, as we say, teaching them to fish. Um, these are folks that are used to looking for answers. They're used to the Google. They're used to the app. They're used to all these different tools that have all this information that we never had access to. I mean, the, the source of information for us was our parents or the Encyclopedia Britannica. Isn't that and, crazy uh, to think, just for a second on that, Ed, with the Encyclopedia, because that actually came up yes. in a conversation recently. Yes, growing up, I had an entire set of Encyclopedia, and that was the source of knowledge. If I yes. wanted to learn about how a certain animal, what kind of food they ate, I had to look it up in the encyclopedia. Exactly. And it's just amazing to think that it was a printed book that came out that you bought a new version maybe every few years. I know they wanted you to buy it every year. So at the most, the data would be information current as of 12 months ago. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's still amazing to think where we've come with information. But these millennials, they never knew encyclopedias. They never knew exactly. any of these other things. It's always been at their fingertips every, ever since they were old enough to actually comprehend these things. So that's interesting talking about the Encyclopedia Britannica. My uh, wife will often say that when she would ask her dad a difficult question, he would say, go to the encyclopedia. And they literally would have to go to the encyclopedia. But kids nowadays, uh, you know, if they are too shy to ask uh, somebody for an answer or if they are at the point where uh, they don't want to convey that they lack confidence and therefore don't ask the questions, that, that doesn't matter. They can Google anything. They can research anything online. And, and there is that desire to learn. And better yet, there, that is that self-service option for them to learn. So the second thing to really think about uh, when you're thinking about providing customer service to millennials is make sure there is the self-service option because you don't have to do everything for them. They don't want you to do everything for them. Uh, but they want to have an avenue. They want to know how to go and fish for themselves uh, if that's their desire to to get the kind of information, answers, the resolutions that they need. Great. That makes perfect sense. So making sure the option is there. Some people will still want the hand-holding opportunity, but by default, I think a lot of them are going to want to go to that self-service and making sure it's there and it's easy to find and easy to use, but they can kind of do some of their own self-learning at their own pace. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, the third area to think about when you're thinking about your um, customer service approach to millennials uh, is really more for the individual customer service rep to kind of uh, control their own emotions when they're dealing with millennials because a lot of these millennials can be frustrating. So realize that the millennials' definition of rudeness may differ from your definition of rudeness. And this mm-hmm. goes back to that email I got to that uh, from that newsletter subscriber. I mean, looking at their smartphone while they're talking to an employee might not seem rude to the millennial. It seems very rude to the employee. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's just part of the highly wired nature of a lot of the millennial customers. I mean, they're used to doing that, used to looking at the phone, having that handy and not making eye contact or being on the phone uh, while they're engaged with somebody uh, can be seem very rude to the employee. And the customer might not intend to be rude, but they just have not yet learned the appropriate etiquette. So as an employee, you just got to realize this is somebody who hasn't learned business etiquette yet. They don't realize 
uh, how they're coming across to others. And we have to make sure we don't react so negatively set with the, the unknowing millennial customer that, boom, we blow up. And now we're dealing with uh, just a really tough customer situation. Uh, I've got to imagine Ed, that that's probably a very, very tricky thing for people to do of the things we're talking about. Because it's really asking people to, I don't want to say develop a little bit of a thicker skin, but it's almost like just knowing that, okay, just because this person, this customer talks to me in this way or doesn't talk to me in this way or seems to be distracted when they're talking to me, you know, we can't let that affect us is what I'm hearing you say. We can't let that affect our ability to provide good service and get offended or bothered because it's just some generational differences. Um, You know, there may be cases I'm sure that, these new customers are going to be rude and they're going to be saying things that are going to upset us. But we always need to be able to put that other perspective on it and say, is this just a generational difference that I need to be able to adapt to and be able to accommodate better? You know, that's exactly right. And unfortunately, you know, we are in that position where sometimes we insider acting emotionally or having a negative reaction to the customer, but externally we still got to try to deliver a great experience. And this is just one of those situations where the better we understand who the millennial customer is, not that we have to love every every characteristic of them, but if we understand who they are, maybe it'll help us to accept some of those quirks that might come off more as rude to us. Well, you think about it too. I think many of us have probably seen or worked with companies or employees where that younger generation trying to serve and much older generation, it's some of that same ideas is that sometimes it's very easy for them to think that, this other generation is talking to them in a way that's not respectful or not kind or something. But yes. sometimes it's just that generational gap between the people that are interacting with each other. And we have to just keep that in mind. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly okay. right. What's the, the fourth uh, item there? Yeah, the fourth item is – and we touched on this uh, very clearly when we were talking about those six different characteristics of the millennials and their customer service experience. But realize it is almost all about speed. I mean, some millennials are upset if that friend doesn't reply to their text immediately. They're upset if the website doesn't load literally in one second, uh, two seconds maybe. They get concerned if somebody doesn't like their social media post (laughs) in the first five minutes. Oh, my gosh, nobody's liking it. Uh, The expectation for speed impacts that desired customer experience. They want swift responsiveness, so we have to either provide it or be really, really intentional about proactively setting expectations. Well, you know, I can just equate to this. I mean, my kids uh, are the living embodiment of wanting speed on everything. And just even to the point of watching television now, um, if we sit down as a family to watch a show and it's, a, it's something I've got recorded off of cable, you know, and we're watching it again, they're, they're of the mindset that if, if I wanted to watch something, I should be able to click a button and watch it right away. Even to the point as we're watching the show and if there are commercials in the show, let's say if it's a show I didn't record, we're actually watching it live, which hardly ever happens anymore. <laughs> but let's say we're actually watching TV live. Uh, when a commercial comes up, they're immediately saying, well, dad, skip ahead. I, you don't understand. I can't skip ahead. This is live. There's a commercial. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> but it's just that mentality of, well, just skip ahead. We're ready to move on. Let's get to the next thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then they're multitasking at the same time. My 14-year-old, for some reason, thinks he can watch a video on his iPad or phone while sitting with us and watching something else. And some other thing they can do it, but it's all about that speed. It's just, they want it right now, right now, right now. Um, and I mean, our technology world has given them the world where they can get everything pretty much right now. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling 
feeding monster there in a way. So yeah, yes, definitely. So there has to be that understanding that uh, with that comes a need for the organization for the individual serving those millennials to be really, really responsive and or really, really good at setting expectations because they are coming in with an expectation. And if that expectation for speed is different from reality, that gap is going to cause a lot of problems, a lot of frustration from the millennials. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's our fifth and final item on the uh, what to do list? Uh, the fifth is go for mutual respect. Okay. Uh, speed is not everything to millennials. Respect is huge to these customers. I mean, oftentimes they're very young, but they're typically fairly smart. We talked about how quick they can access information and answers. So, you know, they're smart or at least they're knowledgeable. Maybe they don't have the wisdom yet, but they have quick access to knowledge and information. Mm-hmm. They have opinions. They do understand that they're important. They, they do understand that maybe they, in some cases, have an inflated sense of importance, but they do understand they're important individuals. So while the wisdom of age may not have yet become part of their top personal qualities yet, they still want to feel like they're important to you. They okay. still want to feel respected. And that's such an interesting balance we have to keep in mind is that, you know, we want – they want the speed and the uh, – uh, the kind of that self-service options on things, yes. but yet at the same time to still be treated with respect as an individual. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting balance for a lot of organizations to have to keep managing. How yes. do we provide them with that self-service pro, uh, option where we may not interact with them directly except through our websites and our systems, but yet we still got to make sure those processes reflect them as an individual and make them feel respected for their choices. And yes. that's, that's, that's going to be an interesting challenge I think for a lot of companies going forward. Yep, that is. You have to give them opportunities to voice their opinion because they have opinions. You have to make things quick enough for them so they don't feel like you're wasting their time. You have to, in some automated automated way, show appreciation for them. I mean, it does create a lot of challenges uh, where one person in one face-to-face interaction can do so much to make a customer feel good. But if you still want that customer to feel good when they never interact with a person, mm-hmm. there has to be a lot of intent about how to make that experience great. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are great, great tips. I will be right. honest in saying that a couple of them I think are pretty tough. Um, yes. But, you know, it will take some concerted effort and help sometimes with these organizations to to meet these needs because these are some uh, – I don't want to say demanding. It's just a, it's a, some very interesting takes on how we're to provide service to a different generation here. Right. And for our local community, if more than a third of the customers in 10 years are going to be millennials, we have to have a strong understanding about how to manage those millennial moments of truth. So you have to look at each individual customer as unique. You have to be an educator, you know, teach them how to fish so that they can find the information on their own if they want to go that self-service option. You have to be aware, aware that, you know, they might not understand their own perceived rudeness. So you, you got to make sure you don't internalize that and then boom, you know, let it out in front of that millennial. You got to be real responsive to them and, and convey respect back to them. Yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting topic and I'm sure it's one probably, you know, we're going to be hearing a lot more about, and we may even be talking about more as, as time goes on, yes. as we get a little more, uh, specific and a little more actionable with what we need to do in, in helping this generation that's coming up uh, into the workforce and into our customer base. Very, very interesting point. So we talked a lot about who they are, 
what it is they want, what they're looking for, and then we've cupped it off with some ideas of what we can do within our organization to help meet those needs. So exactly. wonderful. Good conversation. Great. Thank you for that information and advice there, Ed. Now, this is the end of the show where we always talk about our customer service story of the month. Over the last 30 days or so since we last recorded, Ed and I kind of are constantly watching for customer service interactions that are either really outstanding or ones not so great. And uh, always excited to hear if you've got a positive or negative one to see how we're going to end the tone of the show today. Ed, what do you, what, what, what's your flavor today? A positive or negative story? Yeah, my flavor is positive. Okay. Today. Mine is, I've got a combo. I've actually got a negative and a positive. So uh, uh, in the same situation. So uh, how about, let me let you go first and then I'll, okay. I'll, I'll wrap it up for us. And by the way, I noticed that I usually tend positive. A lot of yours are negative. I wonder if this is kind of a cathartic experience for you, Al, and just is. getting these negative experiences off your chest in these podcasts. It is. I tell you, on the Fridays that we record this podcast, I can get that negative experience off my chest. I go home. My wife and my kids, they see me happier. They see me more <laughs> relaxed. They're like, Daddy, was, you must have had a good day today. I'm like, well, I got the negative customer service story off my chest. So it is go. cathartic, and I appreciate you recognizing that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I hate that I'm always going a little more negative, but I think, honestly, doing this show over the last few years, Ed, it's yes. probably made me a lot more focused, and I, mean, I hate saying critical, but just a little more observant than maybe I have been in the past. And uh, Maybe anyway, your expectations a little bit. my expectations have been raised quite a bit by our diligence towards this topic in the last right. several years here. So, uh, so go ahead and give me the, give me the positive story and I will frame mine that ends positively. So at least we can all go out on a good note. Okay. Good, good. All right. Well, um, because of the weather in South Carolina last week and, and we're recording this in, um, early October, uh, horrible, horrible weather went through yeah. Charleston and, uh, that sort of area. My wife and I, were planning, uh, and it actually uh, reserved uh, a room in the Charleston area for our anniversary. Mm-hmm. So at the last minute, uh, we weren't able to go. And uh, so he decided to stay in Charlotte. My sister was coming down, uh, spending time with my daughter, decided to stay in Charlotte and do an anniversary weekend here. So any plans we did uh, locally were just spur of the moment kind of plans. Right. And we decided to go out to dinner Saturday night. At about 6 o'clock, got on the internet, found a restaurant, uh, made 6.30 reservations uh, online. And in the note box, uh, I noted that it was our anniversary. Mm -hmm. So when we arrived, I said, hi, we're the Gagnons here for our 6.30 reservation. The hostess wished us a happy anniversary. Mm. The person at our table filling our water wished us a happy anniversary. Wow. The server wished us a happy anniversary. So it, it might not sound that big, but and the night necessarily wouldn't have been unspecial if those at the restaurant had wished us a happy anniversary. But the experience overall was more special in that restaurant because they, they obviously looked at the communication. They looked at the reservation. They communicated with each other about it. They communicated with us on a personal level about something they had found out about us um, just literally minutes before we walked in the door. Mm. So just something communication related like that, which was nothing more than saying those words, uh, helped to personalize the experience and made it a much more special uh, dinner out. Oh, absolutely. That's that's a great, you know, it, it's that whole coordination of information sharing exactly. within the organization too. You know, something we struggle so much with, I know in the healthcare field these days, is this coordination sharing of information. You know, when you provide one piece of information to one person, 
having that same information shared with everybody that takes care of you during your experience, uh, the organizations who do it really well, it makes a world of difference to that patient. The ones who don't do it, it's very obvious that it's very disjointed and everybody has different pieces of information they're working on. At this restaurant, it's a much smaller microcosm of what we're talking about, but they took that one piece of information you put in one place on the website and it got to all the right people to know about it. And they actually did something with it. That's really impressive. Um, yeah, yeah. I was really happy. My wife was happy, which is the most important thing. Really good experience. I think that's absolutely you. You, you did good, Mister Gagnon. So, right? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, well, my story. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about a place that I think I've brought up before in conversations during our stories of the month. Uh, I'm a big movie theater fan. Spend a lot of time in the movie theaters. I'm a co-host with our uh, studio engineer today, Chris Fry, who's my co-host on Foot Candle Films. We have a film society together. About 600 members get together every month to watch a film and talk about it. So I spend a lot of time at movie theaters, and we have one that's kind of our home base of operations here in downtown Hickory that uh, we're a big fan of. We like the theater. It's a great little theater. Um, but it's just interesting because it, it depends on – the, the, the people we get to work with at the theater, what shift they're on and which, which people we get to work with as to how good our experience is going to be at that theater. So uh, we uh, let me tell a negative story first, and then I'll explain how this is going to end up positive. So even a situation where just two nights ago, we were watching a very dramatic, powerful foreign film. I've got an audience of maybe 200, 250 people in, wow. the, in, the, in, the, in the theater. We're all watching this film. It's a very quiet, intense film that you really have to kind of pay attention to a lot of reading of subtitles and about right at a critical moment late in the film, somebody comes in the back of the theater, opens the door. It's kind of loud with just kind of slamming the door open. And there's a giant trash can out at the back of the room with a big uh, plastic liner on it. And they're dumping all this trash into the trash can, like in the back of the theater. What's even worse is I'm sitting in the back row. So it's right behind me. And as I'm sitting there and after this person has dumped all the trash in the theater and they walk back out, I sit there and I smell something that just smells horrible. And I realize it is leftover like Asian food dumped into that garbage can right directly behind me and behind several other people in the seats. So, of course, I'm just pretty upset because I'm thinking, you know, that's just to me the perfect example of what we're talking about is this idea of not thinking about the experience you're providing because, again, you've got 200 and some people in there that have paid wow. money to come into your theater, buy your popcorn, buy your drinks, and they want a good theater experience. But you're barging in, throwing stuff in the trash, making a big commotion, and it's stuff that just stinks up the theater within 20 minutes. Anyway, that's just a perfect example of the kind of things we sometimes deal with. However, Chris and I are always so excited whenever there is a certain staff person working at the theater because this it used to be this one guy that worked there and I'm going to call him James Franco only because the actor, James Franco, he looks just like this guy. And we didn't know what his name was. Chris and I still did, didn't know his name for a long time. So we, behind his back, we'd call him James Franco. I wonder if James Franco is working tonight. I really hope Franco's working because he <laughs> gets it. He gets the experience. He's there asking us questions like, okay, well, if people come up with a question about the film, what should I tell them? Can I describe the film to them? Is it okay to let people in now? All this stuff. He's just very focused on the experience. The, the shame of it is, is that, you know, there's been those one or two people that we really like working with. But uh, the shame of it is that the organization, unfortunately, is known for whoever happens to be working at that moment, which it cannot be a good customer service 
mantra for a company. Exactly. It can't just be, hopefully you got the right person. Cause if you didn't get the right person, you're going to have stinky Chinese food sitting behind you, you know, for the rest of the movie. So, uh, it's just a reminder to everybody. You may have your superstars customer service, but it's got to be a completely well-rounded experience. And you can't just assume those one or two superstars are going to carry your customer service experience everywhere you go. So, yeah, that's a great point. You never want to get to the point where the customer experience is purely dependent on who you get to serve you. Yeah. Uh, that just shows the culture uh, has not been created with an intent to deliver a great experience. That's so, right. uh, yeah. yeah, happy it, it, the story ended well. Sorry <laughs> for the uh, smelly Asian food story. <laughs> and nothing against part. Asian. I love Asian food, but I'm sorry. If it's been sitting out for way too long and it gets dumped in a trash can with other trash, no, no food smells good in that situation. But no. I think Asian food actually probably smells a little worse. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, Ed, this has been a good topic talking about the millennials and who are they, what do they want, and how can we help take care of them in the future from a customer service standpoint. And then we had our, our customer service stories of the month as well to share. Ed Gagnon can be found online at CSSAmerica.com. That's his company. Uh, you can learn so much from their resources and the, the people involved in their group through their website, blog posts, emails, newsletters you can sign up for. And, of course, you can reach out to anybody from Customer Service Solutions to talk about maybe some needs you may have in your own organization to help build that better level of customer service culture. And then I'm with the Jackson Group, uh, thejacksongroup.com, where you can learn about our customer and employee satisfaction surveys that we do and perform for a variety of organizations across the nation. Ed, you know, we've been recording this show on the mesh.tv, our podcast network, and this has been a great, great show we've been doing for many, many months now. People can go back in time and actually listen to old episodes if they want to. You can go yes. to the mesh.tv. That's T-H-E-M-E-S-H.tv. Look up Stepping Up Service and you can find old episodes. They're all free. They're all on demand. We're catering to the millennials ad. They're right on time, the right where you go. want them. You click a button, they play immediately. You don't have to wait. Um, and you can also go to iTunes, Apple's iTunes program, and look through their podcast directory and find all of our shows there as well. Again, where you can download them, sync them to your phone or iPads, listen to them on the go. Uh, podcasting is a great resource. If this is your first time listening to a podcast, welcome. We hope uh, we're providing some good resources for you. Ed, thanks a lot for your time. We always appreciate it as always. Yeah, enjoyed it, Alan. I right. uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, too, uh, in watching your, quote, football. Yes, I will be watching yes. my Carolina Tar Heels play yes. football <laughs> all Saturday afternoon. It'll be a very long game. <laughs> so, <Yes. right. laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next month. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.